But I just want to encourage you uh, today, no matter if you are uh, a parent today, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, uh, if you are uh, a single parent here today, if you are currently without children, if you've never had children, if you don't plan to, uh, maybe your grandparents with kids no longer uh, in the home, I just want to encourage you, don't check out. Don't check out and put your feet up and just assume, oh, this message uh, isn't for me. It affects all of us, really, if you're a mom or not. We all have moms, don't we? We all have moms, which means that we're all sons and daughters. Kids, really. It's just that the smaller kids just got to go to KQ and we get to stay here. Amen? Right? We never stop being kids. Right? Just as moms never stop being moms, we never stop being kids. And I almost wonder if that's the process of our faith. If maybe the goal of Christianity is understanding who God says we already are and learning to live like it's true. So maybe today has more to do with you than you think. And I'm so glad that you've chosen to be here on this day. A lot of people think, ah, it's Mother's Day, you know, it's certain holidays, I'll just kind of skip out on this. Where else would you rather be than in God's house on a day like this? To celebrate moms and to be grateful to the God who created women. Amen? I mean, what, what an incredible thing. So where else would we rather be? And yet, I also want to know at the same time, I want us to know that for some of us, today is filled with great joy. And I saw you as families come bouncing in with the kids and everybody's all excited. Some of you aren't. Some of you aren't. I was emailing back and forth with some people this week just getting some ideas for the message today and one of the gals messaged me and said they heard once that a mom said, you know, I just kind of skip worship on Mother's Day because it's too hard. It's too hard to bear. So I, I, I want to acknowledge that today, and I want to just sweep it under the rug. For some of you, today is not full of a lot of joy. Today is a very difficult day. Maybe for some of you that have lost a mother, for those of you moms that have lost a child, maybe in a more humorous sense, some of you moms that are just about at the end of your rope with your current children uh, that you have, and so coming to worship is a relief because you can sit for five minutes without being drooled on. Um, some of you have experienced the, the pain or the heartache of trying to be a mom, and you can't. And I just want to acknowledge that for whatever reasons those are. There's a lot of stress around this day for some of you because of the difficulty of that mother relationship in your life. Whether she's around or not, some of you don't have that perfect mother-daughter, mother-son relationship, and I just want to acknowledge that. For some of you, today is a great day, and for some of you, it's a tough day. And as the church, one of the the, the beautiful things about the church is that Scripture calls us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn, right? And I think Mother's Day is about both. There's room for that. A lot of times we think, well, I'm, I'm going to go to worship, and so I gotta, I, I'm, I'm really in pain, and I'm really hurting, and I'm really struggling with some things in my life, but i got to suck it up. And i got to put on this face, not just on Mother's Day, but any day. And we get this false perception of what the church is called to be. And you start reading about the church in the New Testament. It's anything but that. It's like, oh, no, this is the one place where I actually get to take off the mask and be who I really am and be real. And I think that that applies to Mother's Day more than anything. And that's the truth for all of us today. I just want to say to all of you, especially women that are here today, God knows exactly where you're at today. And the ups and downs and the, the highs and lows of, of life, I think he wants you to know this morning that you're in the right place. 
You are most certainly in the right place. And he wants you to know today that you're first and foremost his child, that he loves dearly. And maybe today is the day to invite God into some of those tender places of your heart. God says, let me show you who you are. Let me remind you of who you are and how I created you. And so I want you to know that you've come to the right place today. And I think it's also important that although we're rejoicing and we're mourning with those who mourn, it's also important to let the joy of the Lord be our strength and laugh a little bit. Is that okay? Do you like to laugh? Okay, four of you. Great. Do you like to laugh? Good. Okay. So this is called, um, this is a little thing I found called, some of you may have heard this before, it's called Why God Made Moms. And so it, it answers given by elementary age kids in response to these following questions. So they were, they were interviewed in their class leading up to Mother's Day, and uh, these are some of the responses that they got. So the first question is, why in the world did God make mothers? Why did God make mothers? So a couple ones here for you. One child answered, she's the only one where, that knows where the scotch tape is. This is a fun one. Why did God make mothers? To help us out when we were getting born. <laughs> Couldn't have done it without you, Mom. Thanks for that whole born thing. Here's the next question. What kind of a little girl was your mom? What kind of a little girl was your mom? I don't know because I wasn't there, but I would guess she was pretty bossy. <laughs> right? Next question. How did God make mothers? How did God make mothers? First little girl answered, he used dirt, just like the rest of us. And the second one says, magic, plus superpowers and a lot of stirring. Another question, why did God, or why did mom need to know about dad before she married him? What did mom need to know about dad before she married him? Number one, his last name. Number two, she had to know his background. Like, is he a crook? Why did, what, what did mom need to know about dad before she married him? Last kid answered, does he make at least $800 a year? And does he say no to drugs and yes to chores? A couple more. Why did God give, your, give you your mother and not some other mother? A little girl said, duh, we're related. Another one, who's the boss at your house? Mom, she doesn't want to be the boss. But she has to be because dad's such a goofball. <laughs> sure, that's not the case in any of your homes, right? Last but not least, what's the difference between moms and dads? First little boy answered, dads are taller and stronger, but moms have all the real power because that's who you got to ask if you want to sleep over at your friend's house. <laughs> and last but not least, what's the difference between moms and dads? Moms have magic because they can make you feel better without medicine. Isn't that true? Sometimes kids say it the best, don't they? Something about that, there's something about the, the gift that moms are to this world and the unique way that they reflect the character and nature of God. In fact, you start to look throughout Scripture and we'll find that, that, that instances and, and references to moms and motherhood is, is everywhere. Some of the most familiar passages, you start reading through the Psalms particularly and the, the way that David prays and the way that he sees God particularly this from Psalm 131. Let's read this together. This is David praying and, 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 and lifting his prayers to God. Let's read it together. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a child with its mother. Like a child, I am content. 
David is saying, when I'm with God, when I'm in those moments of intimacy with God, it's like being wrapped in my mother's arms. And maybe some of you don't remember that being young, but if you've ever been a mom or been a parent, you know that feeling, right? And David's saying, you can, kinda ha- you, you can have that sort of intimacy with God. That's the gift that women bring to this world. In other words, if you want to know a big part of the character of God, if you want to get just maybe a glimpse of the love that God has for you as his child, look no further than moms. Amen? And so it's been kind of funny, ever since, uh, about a year or so ago, ever since becoming a parent, I find myself talking to other parents a lot more. Before I became a parent, I didn't really have anything in common, but now, moms and dads, you know this, it's like your child is like a built-in icebreaker with strangers, right? Right? You're going to the park, you're walking down the sidewalk, you run into somebody else, and you're both pushing your stroller or whatever. It's like, you have so much in common now, and you don't have to hide or be worried about anything. And the the other day, I had a a meeting at... um, at our West Des Moines campus with all the pastors from all of our, our campuses and everybody was there and my supervisors and everybody, you know, and I was trying to look good. So I, you know, I had some khaki pants and a button down shirt, which is about as dressy um, as it gets for me. And I thought, you know, this is a pretty important meeting. Um, and actually the bishop of our synod was going to be there that day. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to wear my extra nice, you know, shirt that's not faded or anything like that. Great meeting. I, you know, I talked a lot. I shared a lot about what's going on here at Hope Des Moines. And I left the meeting and I went to the bathroom. I looked myself in the mirror and just huge line of snot uh, right on my collar. <laughs> I said, thank you, Caleb. Thank you so much. Thank you. But you know what? I didn't care. Because is it really about impressing people, moms and dads? No. It's not. It's about loving your kids. And I cannot help but notice... The more I talk to moms and dads, the more I talk to other parents that are working through the pains and the struggles and the highs and lows of life, no matter what they've been through with their kids, no matter how difficult things have been, if you listen very closely to the way that parents talk about their kids, you can get a glimpse of the heart of God. Think about it. The joy in their hearts to see kids grow and learn and experience new things and become mature but also the pain and longing in their hearts for their children to make good decisions and to love them authentically in return. That Bible you have in front of you, (laughs) what I just described about moms and dads, that describes God's love for every single one of you this morning. That's what I find in that book that you hold in front of you this morning. The other night, Tiffany and I were up in the middle of the night with Caleb and He's kind of on his next round of of teething now, and parents, you know what that's all about. That's a great joy in life. And it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, and Tiffany's rocking him to sleep, and that verse from Psalms came to mind about a child with its mother, and I'm just kind of leaning by the rocking chair there, and we're just kind of singing him to sleep. And he's got dried snot all over his nose, and he's just crying, and his cheeks are all red. And we're both very sleep-deprived. And Tiffany just looks at me and says, I don't know if I could love him anymore. And he's one, right? (laughs) Like to, to imagine that our love for him could actually grow. And he hasn't even done anything yet, and we're just madly in love with this little guy, right? And I wonder, no matter if today is filled with joy or pain for you, as a mom or as a child, I think maybe we should just stop right here just for a moment 
and just breathe that in for you. First John chapter 3, we read, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should become the children of God. And that is what we are. And if you've never received that, like for yourself, particularly moms today, that you're so used to giving all the time, have you ever stopped and actually received from God? Maybe that's for all of us today, right? I got to get busy in the church. We got to do things for God. We got to serve. We got to stay active. Do you know how to be with God and do you know how to receive from him? If, you, if that is not the case for you, if that's not the deepest thing about you is that you are loved by the God of the universe, by your Father in heaven, don't go any further. Stop right there and receive this morning. Like, that's for you. I'm not preaching to the crowd. I'm preaching to you. God wants that for you, to be the deepest thing about you. It's time to just receive that this morning. It should not surprise us one bit that the value and worth, not just of moms, but of all women that they bring to this world, is, it's been so evident from the very beginning. What, what would the world be like without women? I don't even want to imagine that, right? I would be homeless and, and dying of hunger somewhere. I, I, something, I don't know where I would be, right? Wearing clothes from 1984. I would be a disaster, right? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. I just want to imagine this for a second. Genesis is conveniently located for you in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. Let's just go there for a second. So you know the story, right? God is creating the whole world. And he starts out with a blank slate, and it's like an artist sitting down with a, with a blank canvas as a masterpiece. And God starts making things day after day, six days of creating, right? And the first five days are, are, are the, the sun and the moon and light and dark and the stars and the sky and, and the earth and the water. And, and as you look at your passage there from Genesis chapter 1, at the end of every paragraph, God gets done creating, and he says, and it was good. And it was very good, right? And it was good over and over and over again. First day, what does God say? It was good. Second day, God says good. Third day, good. Over and over and over again. Skip ahead to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Just flip the page. So God's saying it's good, it's good, it's very good. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Are you there? So God is creating man and woman. He's, the Lord God is looking at Adam, and the Lord God said, it is... Put on the brakes. What? Up until this point, God has said, everything has been good. Everything has been very good. And God says, it is... It is not good for the man to be alone, so I will make a helper suitable for him. In other words, God looked at Adam and said, no, this boy's going to need some help, Right? Men, amen. Can we just say amen to that? This boy's going to need some help, right? In other words, God is saying, no, well, hang on a second. Pause. Many people are going to look at that passage and have throughout the history of the church and say, oh, women are created to just be these little helpers that come along. Let me unpack that for you for a second. That word for helper is izer. Everybody say izer. It's this Hebrew word that's used for helper. It's used about 20 other times throughout the Old Testament. We think, well, 
this passage gets used and, 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 and abused, but when we dig deeper, we find that that word Isaiah is actually used throughout Scripture to describe God. Not nice little helper, woman along the side, God. That's pretty good company, isn't it? And so when they would talk about God in the Old Testament, they would use this part of the old Hebrew word, and it's used throughout Scripture to describe God. Not helper, what we think, little helpmate, but sustainer, provider, rescuer, life giver. Men, does that describe the women in your life? Amen. This is far beyond, like, yes, I believe it's about husbands needing wives. That's how God created us. But it's way beyond that. This is about how God has designed every single woman to be a vital, irreplaceable force for the kingdom of God in this world. Every single one of you. And what does that mean? It means that every woman in this room should be celebrated, lifted up, praised, and encouraged to step into who God created her to be. It's a book uh, written by Stacey Eldridge, which I, which I love. I don't read a lot of women's books, but I read this one because my wife told me to. I just want to read this for you and see if you resonate with this. She writes, the word mother is much more powerful when used as a verb than a noun. All women are not mothers, but all women are called to mother. To mother is to nurture, to train, to educate, to rear. As daughters of Eve, all women are uniquely gifted to help others in their lives become more of who they truly are, to encourage, to nurture, and mother them towards their true selves. In doing this, women partner with Christ in the vital mission of bringing forth life. It is not good for man to be alone. All women are called to mother, and all women are called to give life. Women give birth to all sorts of things, to, to books, it's raising a child, to churches, to movements. Women give birth to ideas, to creative expressions, and to ministries. We bring life to others by inviting them into deeper realms of healing, to deeper walks with God, to deeper intimacy with Jesus. A woman is not less of a woman because she is not a wife or has not physically born a child. The heart and life of a woman is much more vast than that. All women are made in the image of God, and in that they are called to bring forth life. Amen? Amen. Whoa. <laughs> right? Just expand your little box that you like to put people in. If you've ever put moms in a box, that box needs to be crushed and thrown away. This is much bigger than that. What an incredible calling to bring forth life to the world around you, no matter what age or season of life that you're in. And yet... <laughs> For moms and for all women who mother in a physical sense, we know that it's not always easy. And I wrote that in my script here, and I write, whoa, that's the understatement of the year, right? It's not always easy. And so instead of trying to identify with the heart of a woman, with the heart of a mother, I thought we'd take a little bit different take on it this morning. I don't know if you heard, but there's a new job posting that just came out here in Des Moines. Did you hear about this? It's a, it's a really interesting job posting. I need you to watch this video and see if you are, men and women alike, just, this is for all of you, see if you would be up for this job posting, if this is something that you can handle. Let's take a look. Just give me one second. Thank sure. you. Sorry. Uh-huh. Two minutes. Thank you. 
Hi, good afternoon. Sorry about hey, that. Oi. Have you ever done one of these interviews uh, over the camera before? No. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the job to get started with. Uh, the title that we have going right now is Director of Operations. Responsibilities and requirements are, are really quite extensive. Uh, first category for the requirements would be mobility. This job requires that you must be able to work standing up most or really all of the time. Uh, uh, okay. That's a lot. I'm sure you'll have a chance from time to time to maybe just sit down here and there, yeah? Uh, you mean like a break? Yeah. Uh, no, there are no breaks available. So like, no lunch? You can or... have lunch, but only when the associate is done eating their lunch. Uh, I think that's a little intense. No. no not possible. That's crazy. Now, this position requires excellent negotiation and interpersonal skill. We're really looking for someone that might have a degree in uh, medicine, in finance, and the culinary arts. Sorry, but when there's time to sleep or oh no time to sleep 365 days a year yes no that's that's inhumane that's that's very insane also let's cover the salary the position is going to pay absolutely nothing excuse me nobody's doing it for free yeah pro bono completely for free <laughs> no what if i told you there's someone that actually currently uh holds this position right now billions of people actually who moms <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> and they meet every requirement, oh, don't wow. they? I'm thinking about all those nights and everything. Thank you so much for everything you do. I know it doesn't seem like I appreciate all of it, but I definitely do. Boy, that puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Have you ever put stay-at-home moms in a box? Get a load of that. That's a 15-minute video that we scrunched down. It went on and on and on. And towards the end of the video, one of the guys just goes, Man, moms are awesome! <laughs> Maybe that's what you need to hear today, moms. And you're awesome. You're absolutely awesome. And no matter what your relationship is like with your mom today, you have to admit that this calling, this job description is one of a kind. Because you know what I hear in that video? When I think about the women that have been influencers in my life, I think of courage, passion, determination, strength, wisdom, compassion, and love. And come to think of it, that doesn't just describe moms. I think that describes every woman that's ever had a positive impact on my life. So why in the world would we not want those characteristics in the church? That's my question. The reason I ask is today's message is actually twofold. One, there's something to be said about moms. And number two, we're right in the middle of this sermon series called Five Challenging Questions for the Church. And uh, we were joking about this as a band. If you look at the silhouettes up there, the guy in the green that's asking, should women be church leaders? That's actually Andrew. He's one of our guitar players over here. It kind of <laughs> looks like Jesus, actually. But no, those are just fake people, right? We're, we're asking that, that question today. And the question before us is, should women be leaders in the church? And depending on your background, before we go there, there's going to be a lot of different answers to that question. Despite everything that's been said about women so far as we've lifted them up, there has been a lot of debate and discussion about this over the past couple hundred years. There's passages all over Scripture that are often quoted, like 1 Timothy chapter 2. 
Verse 12, Paul writes, I permit no woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She is to keep silent. It's just waiting for the booze there for a second. The problem is that with this and a lot of other passages, when we fail to see the context and we fail to dig a little bit deeper, we can actually take any passage of Scripture and twist it to mean exactly what we want it to mean, right? Whatever your agenda happens to be. If you look at what's happening, Paul's writing to the early church, and there's lots of new believers, many of which are women. And sometimes in the church, these women were coming from different backgrounds, a lot of them from pagan traditions, and so they were trying to figure out their old religion with Jesus, and sometimes what would happen is they would be disturbances in the church. They, they would stand up and start yelling or screaming or preaching or talk. It happens here at Hope Des Moines a lot. I'm just kidding, right? And, and they would be disturbances in the service. They would start leading people astray unknowingly sometimes just because of their innocence, and they were a little rough around the edges. And so Paul is writing to a particular context, and if you literally translate that phrase in the Greek, Paul is saying, I am not presently permitting a woman to teach or have authority over men. The verb used here, Greek has different verbs than we do in the English, and the verb here in Greek is the present active indicative. That's a mouthful. But it was never intended to be a prohibitive statement or a prescription for all times and places and cultures. It was a right then and there to this context. And there's a lot of passages like that. One of many examples of the laws that you read in Scripture that are contextual, like this one, meaning they were written for the good of that particular community. It doesn't mean that they're not God's word. It doesn't mean they're not Scripture and they're not important to the story. So some are contextual. Other passages are timeless. When God says, love your neighbor, you should love me and love your neighbor as yourself, do you think that's contextual or timeless? Timeless, Timeless, right? I think that applies to everybody. That applies to all of us pretty important. So how do you know the difference? How do you know what's contextual and how do you know what's timeless? Well, one of the the great things about about going throughout scripture and becoming biblically fluent and reading through the story like we did a few years ago is that we become familiar with all of God's story instead of just pulling out references or verses that we hear quoted on Facebook or on somebody's blog or something we heard on a radio show and saying, well, I know what that means and I'm going to base my entire theology on that one verse we start to see these timeless truths and these themes emerge from all of God's story. And one of those is that you start to see this theme of women in powerful, powerful positions all throughout Scripture. Some would say they've got issues with the Bible because it seems so male-dominated. And part of that is that it was a patriarchal culture, meaning that's just the way it was. That's the way the world was. And the biblical writers were not trying to just go along with that. They were just writing the story. Some people will say, it seems so male-dominated. Everything's all about men. Most people that say that, I I wonder, usually haven't read the Bible. Because you start to look throughout Scripture, and over and over, powerful women emerge, not just as helpers, but as leaders. Not, Not on some power trip, but as actual humble servants. So you have not just Abraham, but it's Sarah. You not just have Jacob, but it's Rachel. It's Miriam. It's Rahab. It's Deborah, the judge, and she's in charge of this entire nation. She is like the king. She's the judge, the leader over all of Israel. And then you get to Esther. She's got an entire book of the Bible written about her. Continues to the New Testament. Phoebe, recognized as a deacon. Priscilla, a key church planter with Paul. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And actually quite countercultural to the culture of that day. The Bible sticks out 
as a historical document that doesn't downgrade, but actually lifts up the role of women in God's story. You read all the other historical documents from that time period, and it's not. And that list goes on and on and on and on, and that list goes on for centuries right here to today into our church. And so before I go any further to try to convince you of that, I want to introduce you to some powerful, awesome women's leaders right here in Hope Des Moines. So if I could have those gals come on up and welcome these ladies to the stage. Oh, come on. Welcome them to the stage. There we go. Go ahead. So everybody say hello, Heather. Everybody say hello, Jill. Everybody say hello, Liz. So they're going to they're gonna pass the mic back and forth, and I wanted you to hear from them. This is not some abstract thing we're talking about. I don't know where we would be without women in leadership uh, here at Hope Des Moines. We would be a disaster. Uh, I know that for sure. They're, all, they're not nodding, but inside they're nodding. Yes, 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 you would be. First question for each of you, just kind of pass the mic down really quick. If you could just give us a glimpse of what... What are you currently doing here at Hope Des Moines? How is God using you in this community? And, and where have you stepped into leadership? What are some of those places that you're, you have led or are currently leading in the church? Go ahead, Liz. Uh, about three years ago, I started leading a life group. And then uh, about a year and a half ago, I stopped leading that and am now leading our ministry to women activities and discipleship stuff here, um, which currently involves leading a small group for the month of May, learning how to pray and connect with God. Awesome. I am part of the missions team here at Hope Des Moines. Uh, I'm also a coordinator of Breakfast Club once a month. Hi, I've um, been discipling women this past year, so uh, just giving them access to my life, loving them, walking with them in their messes and my mess is opening my <laughs> life up so that um, uh, we can just do life together. Awesome. Heather, I'll actually have you start with this one. So praise God for that across the board, uh, leading in a lot of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can clap as much as you want. Um, my next thought is each of you haven't always been a leader. And maybe you always didn't see yourself as a leader. And I know in talking with a lot of women in this church, there's a lot of fears and a lot of insecurities uh, that come up and I, maybe some lies from the enemy to work through about who God's created you to be. Um, if you could just be honest and maybe just share with us, what are some of the, the insecurities or the fears that you had to work through to be able to step up and to be able to say, God has made me a leader and this is what I'm going to do? Yeah, so I've always been comfortable in leadership positions where I just do something. I run a committee. We accomplish a task. Um, but when I w finally, I think, became aware of the call in my life to disciple, which means, like, open my life up to women and walk with them, um, I really began to doubt. <laughs> I mean, Andy can probably attest to this. <laughs> Am I enough? Do I have what it takes? Do I, e I mean, even silly things like, do I know enough scripture? <laughs> mm. I don't know. Um, but God just began to speak to me. And essentially told me, you have to get over yourself. This is not about you. This is about me. And this is about how I want to love people through you. And um, yeah, so perfect love drives out fear. So I've had to rely more on him. Hmm. And um, in doing so, like he has done things through me that I never imagined. 
Awesome. Yeah, praise God. Do you have anything you want to add to that, Jill? A couple of things stand in the way of, uh, for me. Uh, one of them is busy- busyness. Sometimes I tell myself, I'm too busy mm-hmm. to, to lead. Um, but when I, when I step back and look at the things that I think I'm busy with, I have to ask myself, do they further God's kingdom in any way? And many of the things that I'm busy with do not. Um, so I really have, that's one of the things that really stands in the way for me. Um, yes. The other thing, uh, similar to Heather, is fear. Um, you know, I've been a leader in the business setting um, and, you know, got to a point where I was pretty good at that. But outside of a business setting, it's a little bit different. Um, I've really had to learn also to really get out of the way. Um, God works through me. Um, I have to listen to him. Um, and generally when I'm in a, in a group of people, um, he, he does put people together um, you know, at a particular point in time for a particular reason. And I have to really listen to that. And it's a, it's a joy and a challenge to really get to know um, the gifts of the people in the group um, and, and maximize those. Um, yeah. And that's fun, but so the biggest thing is getting out of, out of, um, out of the way. Out of the way, yeah. That's really good, yeah. <laughs> I would echo Heather, too. Um, I think doubt is the thing that has always been a part of my life, and I just thought, nope, like, God doesn't want me to do that. Um, a lot of the same fears. I don't, I'm not mature enough. I don't have the skills. There are older women who are much wiser who can do mm. This, I'm not old enough yet. I haven't learned anything. I'm not a mom yet. I don't have all those skills. Um, So that's been something that I've really had to pray um, for confidence about. And then I also just have this fear of, I'm going to mess it up. Like, I'm not going to do it right. There is a right way, and I I will not know that right way. And this is going to fail. But it goes back to what Heather was saying. You just have to get out of the way. you know, I was just reading something this week, and it said, when we work, we are doing it. But when we pray, God is the one doing the work. And so that's been something that I've just, I feel like, especially this last year, that I've been learning that it's not about me. I can't mess it up. If I mess it up, God will take care of it. So it's covered either way. <laughs> so just to go forward um, yeah. with confidence. So Let me just point something out, too. For those of you that think, like, oh, I have to, like, earn it here and be around for a long time. Like Liz was brand new to our community like two years ago. (laughs) Two years later, she's leading our women's ministry. So watch out. It could be you next. Uh, But that's what God does. He does, yeah, he does incredible things. Um, It's pretty awesome. So last question, last question. You kind of spoke to this a little bit, and Liz, we'll start with you. I'm guessing that there are a lot of women and men out there that wrestle with doubts and fears and struggles. There are ministries waiting to be led at this church. There are women that are waiting to be reached out to. But there's also women out there that should be stepping up as leaders, that are maybe living in fear and living in those doubts. What would you say to the ladies out there today that are struggling with some of the same things that you did? What would you want to say to them about being a woman and being a leader? It's not as hard as it seems, um, would be the first thing. And... About three years ago, I made a commitment to get out of the way and listen to God. And the way that my life has been changed and the ways that I've been blessed um, through different relationships and ways that God has used me, there's no way that that could have happened. So 
Um, it's scary, but God is with you, and this community is amazing at supporting and encouraging, and so um, just knowing you're not alone, and it doesn't have to be perfect, um, but it's totally worth it, and continuing to deny it or be like, oh, that's not right, it's not for me, it's not time, um, you're really just pushing off God's blessing, so hmm. embrace it now so you can get the blessing sooner. <laughs> This is something I always tell my kids, um, or I always ask my kids, what's the worst thing that can happen? <laughs> um, you know, most of the time it's, you're imagining something that's very, very different from what actually happens. Um, so take a chance, take a chance. There's a lot of people around to support and love you. That's good. Um, I, I guess I would say that uh, for women and men, all of us really, um, Jesus calls us. He calls us to lead. He calls us to disciple. Uh, you are a leader if you are an influencer. And we are all influencers, whether you're in high school, amongst your peers, at your workplace, um, it might be in the church. You are a leader. And um, yeah, just to allow God to um, you know, uh, provide what he needs to provide so that you can then go out and reach the world. That's awesome. Can we just thank them one more time for sharing? Oh, praise God. You know who some of the best preachers in this church are? The ladies. Because they bring it. And if it wasn't clear enough from what you just heard, I want to go to one final place today. Uh, if you could turn with me to the book of Acts. To the book of Acts. Go to the story of Pentecost. There's a great outpouring of the Spirit that's been prophesied for centuries and speaks to where we're at today. God's Spirit is coming on those at Pentecost. In Acts chapter 1, it says, In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, on both, get this, on both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And God always keeps promises. And so it happened. And the story of humankind across the centuries has been drawing up lines and putting up boundaries and building walls about who's in and who's out. But the message of Jesus is that at the foot of the cross, there's room for everybody. Amen? Men and women alike, which leads Paul to write in our scripture for today in the book of Galatians. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free, no male nor female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. God says, there's this new thing I'm starting and it's called the church. And your identity, although you are uniquely created male and female with, with roles in a relationship to not to dominate but to love and respect each other, your primary identity today is a child of God. And be above and beyond anything else that the world's going to tell you who you are, you're a child of God. Don't skip over verse 29. We got the very end of the verse up on the screen. It's, we are one in Christ and you are what does God say? It starts with an H. You are what? Heirs. Heirs. Do you know what that means? 
in the, in, the, in the historical context that Paul's writing, and heirs were the firstborn son, meaning men only for this one. You don't know how radical this statement is from Galatians 3. If you are an heir, that means everything the father has is yours. His spirit, his provision, his power, and his love. Paul says we all, men and women, are heirs. Which means, ladies, I just want to say this to you in particular. If you're ever struggling with your value and your worth, need you be reminded that you are a daughter of the King of Kings and everything that he has is yours. And he's given you all his love, all his authority, all his spirit. And so why would you ever underestimate what he can do through you? Those were the words that were spoken to a queen long ago named Esther. She's the queen. There's a picture of her there and she's struggling with whether to step into leadership. She's struggling with whether to to be self-consumed and absorbed with herself and, and say, what's in it for me? Or she can step up and lead on behalf of her people. And in Esther chapter 4, verse 14, this, these words are spoken to her. Let's read it together up on the screen. Who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Hear me say loud and clear today, especially ladies, you are an heir to the king, which means you're royalty. Who knows if God has brought you to your royal position for such a time as this, May 11th, 2014. Some of you will say, well, you know, I'm just going to say, I'm not really a mom, so today's not for me. You know, I wasn't a mother or father, and our kids are all grown up and out of the house, so what do I really have to offer? I'm a little up there in years. I'm a more mature woman, so this really isn't for me. I'm kind of past my prime. No, you're not. You're in your prime. And what do we need from you? We need everything. We need your life. We need your wisdom. We need your experience. There are young women that are sitting around you here today in this church and out in this community that are desperate to know what a godly woman looks like and who's going to show them if you don't step in and say, for such a time as this. And for younger women, the danger for you is different. The danger is that you're going to wait. Like Liz said, the danger is you're going to say, well, I'm not a mom, I'm not married, I, I, I can't lead, I'm in my 20s, I'm in my 30s, you know, that's not for me. And we say, when I'm done with grad school, when I'm a mom, when I have kids, when I get married, then I'll get serious about this stuff. No, now is the time. For such a time as this, stop bouncing around all over life and put your roots down and step up and lead because that's what God created you to do. Because the same spirit that rose Jesus for Christ from the grave lives in you, ladies. And we need you. We need you. The church is more dangerous for the kingdom of God when godly women of all ages step up to be used, by the king, to be used in the kingdom to be who they were created to be. I want to be a dangerous church, and so we need some dangerous women to step up. When women live into their call to bring forth life in this world, incredible things happen, and nobody knows that more than Kevin Durant. Have you heard of him? Just this last week, Kevin Durant, he plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder in the NBA, 
was the most valuable player, like the best in the world. Money, fame, riches, popularity, everything. He's got it. And you would think he would say, oh, I'd like to remember all the little people that helped me get here. I want you to watch this video and I want you to breathe it in and think about the power and the impact that women can have in our lives. Let's take a look. First off, I'd like to thank God for changing my life and let me really realize what life is all about. Basketball is just a platform in order for me to inspire people, and I realize that. And, and last, my mom. I don't think you know what you did. You had my brother when you were 18 years old. Three years later, I came out. We were stacked, the odds were stacked against us. Single parent with two boys. By the time you were 21 years old, everybody told us we weren't supposed to be here. We moved from apartment to apartment by ourselves. One of the best memories I had is when we moved into our, our first apartment. No, no bed, no furniture, and we just all sat in, in the living room and just hugged each other. Because we, that's what we, we thought we made it. And when, you, when something good happens to you, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look back to what brought me here. And you wake me up in the middle of the night in the summer times, making me run up a hill, making me do push-ups, screaming at me from the sideline of my games at eight or nine years old. We wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street, put clothes on our backs, food on the table. When you didn't eat, you made sure we ate. You went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed for us. <laughs> you the real MVP. Last, just like to thank God again. He's the first and the last, Alpha and Omega. I thank you for saving my life. I appreciate everybody. Thank you for all the writers for voting for me. Dan. The man knows his Bible, first of all. Let me just say this. Women, if you ever doubt, if you ever doubt, more than anything today, I hope that you hear the applause, not just of that audience, but I hope that every day you hear the applause of heaven. Which is much more loud and boisterous and thunderous than any human-made applause. Your father delights in you today because you are his daughter.
and he loves you more than you will ever know. So what I want to do is because we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. In a second, I'm going to have you stand up. And when you stand up, guys, I just want you to make sure that somewhere that you can just reach out and I just want you to place your hand on any gal that happens to be around you in groups of three or four or five, just in your rows. You don't have to walk all over the place. And we're just going to stand up. We're going to pray a blessing over every single woman that's here today. So hop on up. Find somebody to just lay your hand on and we're just going to pray for them. If you see somebody around you that's not being prayed for, just come around side them. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for Mother's Day. Thank you for the beautiful reminder it is to us that we would not be here if it wasn't for incredible women in our lives. And God, I pray for any woman that's here today that has maybe never fully received your love, your delight, your rejoicing over them. I pray that more than anything else, that the voice of their father would be the one that they hear today saying, you are doing an amazing job. You are an incredible mother. You are an incredible grandmother. You are an incredible woman. And you are needed in God's kingdom. So Jesus, come and heal wounds from the past, lies and doubts and fears that we may be believing about ourselves. And I pray that particularly as men in this church, that we would be real men and come alongside the women in our lives and support them and encourage them and lift them up and help them become everything that God created them to be as women. May we be the church. And at the end of the day, when we're tired and we're exhausted and we don't think we can go on, I pray that all of us would hear the applause of heaven over our lives, saying you are loved more than you will ever know. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you have set us free to live for you, to worship you, and to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. And all the church said together, amen, amen. On your way out today, there are carnations in the back for every single woman. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you.